0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host Gormy. I am excited to have you with me here today. In today's episode, we are going to talk to my friend Ben Phelps. Ben, you may know him as the Primal Bro, and we'll get into that eventually, I'm sure. But first, I just want to say, howdy, Ben. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, we are deep in the thick of the the social distancing quarantine time here and so it's just it's nice to to talk to another human being and not just have it be me not just have it be me yelling at the television or at the internet so that's a good thing um i'm excited for us to dive right into your story man so let's get to the first question which is ben tell us what qualifies you to be on the fat guy forum
1: Uh well, thank I mean, thanks for that introduction. I, what qualifies me to be on the fat guy forum is that I was a fat guy shocker. Uh, but not only was I a fat guy, I was a fat kid that grew up and was a fat teenager and then eventually became a fat guy. Um, I had struggled with weight for my entire life. Uh, I don't really have a memory or a photograph where it doesn't look like I am having an issue. Um, With my weight right Uh, i shopped in the husky section which i don't think they do anymore uh because it hurts feelings i guess uh but i don't i don't i used to you know my mom would take me to the husky section as an adult i was in um big and tall and things like that and it all kind of stemmed from just developing poor habits uh as i grew up my grand my parents worked like a whole lot uh so i spent a ton of time with my grandparents uh they I don't want to say that my grandparents raised me because my parents were present, but my dad would leave for work Monday morning. He would work out of state and he'd come back Friday night. Uh, And then my mom worked full time and it was just her and my grandparents that were available. So I ended up with my grandparents who had a hard time telling me no, I think, like most grandparents do. Um, And they didn't know anything about proper diet or nutrition or anything like that. So it was a free flow of whatever I wanted. So I didn't get a good. I didn't get a good start right right out of the gate. I kind of developed some poor eating habits and I didn't really look at food the way that I now uh, believe that we should try to to do so. Um, And that didn't get any better as I got older. And actually, as I became a teenager and you get a car and a job, you get a little taste of freedom. um, That kind of made things worse because then it was drive-throughs. And um, locally here we have, this is a big one for me, a Sheets gas station. Um, And they have like a made to order and you can get some kind of cool, crazy things uh, like a burger with mozzarella sticks on it and stuff like that. So uh, I didn't control my own eating because I had no reason to believe that that was something we should be doing at all. Right. Just you just eat. That's just something people do. And um, something that I like to do more than other people. Uh, It also didn't help me at that time that the jobs I was getting were in pizza places and restaurants. Uh, So food like was free flowing. I didn't even have to pay for it a lot of times, you know, uh, I worked at a Domino's for most of that and someone would order and then they would cancel it. And it's like, oh, now we have these pizzas. Anybody can eat however much they want. And um, most people were being quote unquote normal, right? They would take one, maybe they wouldn't have any, uh, or they take like two at the most. And then I would pretty much just kind of wait and see what everyone ate and devour whatever was left. And that was the approach that I took in, in any situation, social gathering, Family dinners, things like that. Um, but to kind of break out of this period, it just kept getting worse, right? And I, I just kept eating. Um, and I didn't think that there was necessarily anything wrong with it until, as an adult, you start to go to the doctor. And then they start to talk about, hey, you know, your blood pressure is consistently high. This is something we should monitor for the future. Uh, they start to talk about things like, hey, you're heading, uh, you're like your blood glucose. And we talk about being pre diabetic and, and all these concerns um, with no solutions. So why would I, I never, food never crossed my mind as a solution. So I just, I would continue to eat, right? Because I didn't, no one gave me an answer. It was just like, Hey, be careful. Uh, Okay. And you'd leave and just keep life as, as usual. Um, Then, so as an adult, kind of as a kid, uh, I got married and had children very young. Um, So once you add responsibilities and family and, and all of those things on top of, this busy, crazy life that I already had. Uh, I realize now looking back that food was like my, was my thing, right? I don't want to, I don't, I hate, I don't want to say hate because it's very true. But a lot of times we draw these comparisons with foods and drugs, right? But so it was, I didn't realize that it was my addiction, right? Or my drug of choice. Uh, it was just something I loved eating and nobody really presented it as a problem. Um, so yeah, you just I kept getting bigger and bigger and I in social situations as a father because being a father is really like what the major catalyst of all of my transformation and story because the whole thing I've been talking about now is just being a fat guy, right? I haven't gotten to the to the story that I have to the rest of the story that I have to tell. Um but when I go in social situations, I was not only was I the young dad, but I was I was realizing that I was frequently the fat dad. I was heavy. I couldn't do the things that the other dads were doing. Uh, and, you know, you, it's not like you don't know. Uh, and I'm sure that you kind of understand what I'm saying just from your past experience. It's not like you're not aware of what you are, what you're doing to yourself, what you're capable and not capable of doing. Um, so you kind of deal with that silently. At least I did. Uh, and I just used, again, food to 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 help myself. Um until I re- I, t- I saw myself on TV one time, I worked at this local nonprofit and I went on like public, public access, like including me, there were probably a dozen people that saw this television interview. Uh, so when I say that I saw myself on TV, everybody's like, oh, that must have been cool. It's like, not really. It was pretty lame. But it was a visual that came at the right time because seeing myself and kind of putting a visual to all of these thoughts and, sh- and just stress and anxiety that I had over what I was becoming and what my life was becoming, that all kind of was my boiling point, uh, and the heaviest that I ever was, uh, I only know this because I went to the doctor. I was 333 pounds, uh, at the doctor's appointment I had, uh, or I should say the last doctor's appointment I had before I decided to make a change. Um, and the re I, I had to weigh myself at the doctor because the scale we had at home only went up to 300 pounds. So it started reading error. And I was just like, well, whatever. I guess I'll just stop using this thing. It's broken. <laughs> uh, so I had to go. Uh, so, but I went to the doctor and they weighed me and I saw 333. They talk about all these things that we've talked about at every doctor's appointment I've had since I was 18. You know, oh, your blood pressure is a little high. Uh, you got to watch the sugar. And so, seeing myself on TV, being a dad, going to the doctor, negative feedback, seeing 333 pounds. Uh all of that just slapped me in the face. And I wish I've told this story enough times where you'd think I would I would have this part down, but and I wish I could remember where I found it. Um but the first thing that I ever did to move away from who I was and how I was living um in terms of my diet anyway was a was a paleo diet. Um I I'm pretty sure it just came from generally from from going online because I knew I wanted to lose weight and I knew I wanted to make a change. Uh, And I started looking up all these diets and I'm not going to lie, looking at things that talked about tracking and counting and weighing and measuring and being very specific in that regard that it was daunting. I mean, I was, I was lazy. I'm still pretty lazy uh, because if I'm not really engaged and passionate about something, I have a tendency to slack on it. Uh, And that's, you know, personal fault, but I could see it happening. I can look back again and see it happening there where I was being, lazy i didn't want to do anything that looked too hard so when i found a paleo diet the appeal was the simplicity of it because as you know you have experience eating paleo um essentially whole foods single ingredients uh no sugar no grains so while it wasn't necessarily ketogenic it did remove all the things from my diet that were big problems right like pizza and pop tarts and chips and snickers um so i went i took a whole foods approach because the way that it was sold was if you just eat the right things you'll lose weight uh and a lot of things are sold like that as you know keto and and all of this um but it was enough it was enticing enough and, and simple enough for me to want to start um so i start a paleo diet and then very soon into that i find the concept of Mark Sisson's primal blueprint uh which the quick version i guess of the difference if you want to talk about primal versus paleo was that um in Mark Sisson's primal living there was not only an emphasis on fat intake, which was which would inevitably, or further down the line, lead to uh, a logical transition to keto, which we'll talk about. But there was an emphasis on on a fat intake. There was also uh, very simple lifestyle practices like um, fitness, working out, getting in the sun, getting outdoors, um, stretching, having fun, right, stress management. So there were all of these things, and the but all of those concepts were so simplified again, just like the diet. Uh, so I did that for the, for about a little over a year. Um, and I went from that highest weight of 333 pounds down to 209 pounds. So and that, at that point, that was the lowest I had seen since easy high school. Uh, so it was a big deal for me. Right. I, and I kind of thought like everyone thinks, I think when they begin that like anything that's wrong with me in terms of my sadness and anything that's wrong in my life. If I lose this weight, that'll fix it because it's a hard thing to do. So I, right, it'll fix everything. Uh, and that, that very much was not the case. Um, I made a transition in my life at that point. It was 200, like I said, 209 pounds coming off or still consistently going with my paleo primal diet lifestyle. Um, but then I took a job that it was very far away. Uh, I work or I live rather in Virginia, which uh, and I don't live that far from Washington, D.C. Uh, and a very popular thing here because of the cost of living in Northern Virginia and then in D.C. itself. Uh, it gets astronomical compared to where I live in Virginia, which is further south, so you end up with a lot of people that commute. Um, and when terrible traffic in the United States is brought up, the place where I live is frequently on near the top of the list. Uh, but I was essentially, I, I had a job that was, in DC, it was technically still in Virginia, but it was basically in uh, Washington DC, and I would have to drive at least an hour and a half one way to get to work. Uh, so I'd have that trip be three to four hours in the car every day, and an eight to ten hour and an eight to ten hour workday, uh, just really depending on what was going on. And it was an excellent financial move for my family, uh, but it may have been at this point, looking back one of the bigger mistakes that I made or, uh, with my life because that, uh, that isolation and, uh, mainly working that much and being in the car so much, you're, you're limited and you lose a lot of time. Uh, and I just felt essentially like I wasn't living my life. Like I wasn't living. I was just kind of going through life. Right. Um, and one thing that had always been, helpful when I went through some more depressed and dark moments in the past it had always been food. It was very reliable. Uh, so work became the focus and being miserable really occupied a lot of my headspace at the time. I was just in a really bad place. Um, I would not, I don't like to use like suicidal in a really loose sense. And I don't even necessarily like to bring it up because I don't want I don't want people to think that I'm embellishing or looking for attention or anything like that. And I don't know that if it came down to it, that would have happened, but that was an option that felt viable. It was at least in the conversation internally for me and in it. So I couldn't focus on my diet. I just had to focus on making it through each day um, with whatever, I don't know, pleasure I could get out of it because I, I, I didn't have a lot of happiness in my life, but I could always squeeze in pleasure, whether that be food, food or laziness, playing video games on the weekends instead of, excuse me, instead of spending time with my family or doing any of those things. Um, Because I knew that Monday I would go back and I'd lose the next five days essentially between sleeping, working and driving. Uh, And then the weekends were my limited time. Uh, So my mental state just kept getting worse. I totally abandoned my diet. Um, And one day I just quit. I just, I, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not proud of it. I would not recommend that anyone ever do that with any employer, give proper notice, I guess. But my situation felt so drastic. uh, If that wasn't obvious based on the lead up here, I guess to this point that the solution felt like it needed to be equally as drastic, um, which was leaving a letter for my boss uh, staying late the day that I decided to do it and packing all my things and leaving after everyone had gone. Uh, and then my boss and all my coworkers just came into my letter and I was somewhat honest. I mean, I gave a, a very mild version, some kind of honestly, like, like I've done as we, as we've gone through it today. Um, Cause it's, it's just a little, I don't know, upsetting and hard to talk about. Uh, but I gave, I gave them the quick version uh, in my letter And I never really heard or talked to any of them again. I had, uh, like friends, people that I, that I really did enjoy. And, and one specifically, he had been my best friend since we were, uh, in, I want to say second grade is when we met. Um, and at this point we're 26 mid twenties. Um, and I just left that job and I never, I still haven't talked to him again. And that's also very hard for me to, um, except I guess that I did that, but it, it may not have been the best way to handle it, but what it did was allow me to continue on in my journey to who I am today. So ultimately I'm glad that I did it, but, but I, there were, there are things I would go back and change. I'm sure as many of us would. Uh, but anyway, back to my fat guy qualifications, uh, when I left that job and I, I quit. And I really decided that I wanted to focus on myself because I had spent so long uh, working and living and providing and just doing the family thing that I really realized once you don't have a job anymore, you you have a lot more to focus on. Uh, and I really realized at the time that like, I didn't really even know who I, who I was. What do I like to do? Uh, because video games, as fun as they are, it's not it's not a passion or a purpose. It was just a way to waste time. uh, And eating was the same way. So, but once I, once I quit, I I really decided that I wanted to focus back on my health uh, because I had gained about 75 pounds back uh, from my 209 pounds. So I was up at 284 again. Uh, And a big thing I realized, like, and I don't know why this bothered me so much, but when I look back at it, It was like, I had lost the ability to say that I've lost over a hundred pounds or I've lost a hundred pounds. And I didn't realize it, but because that was really the only semblance of an identity or accomplishment that I had at the time in my life. So it, it was a big deal. And then once I lost that already having hit rock bottom, I kind of felt, you know, I regretted it, but it was, was something that I could refocus on because now that I had escaped whatever mental trap i was in with the job and the commute and everything i was i was free to explore and i went i recommitted myself to my health uh and mainly to my weight loss uh it and that was when i found keto um which i know that you also eat keto because i try to keep in mind that your uh podcast as well uh as other podcasts are are often not solely about keto right it's just mainly about getting people to make better choices for their life um But that's when I found keto was coming off of that 284 pounds and I was ready to recommit. And then with keto in under a year, I had lost uh, 111 pounds. Um, Primarily, I say under a year, almost right dead at a year. uh, I had lost 111 pounds and I got down to 178 pounds if that math is. No, okay, (laughs) I messed up. Uh, so when I started, I started keto and that got me down to 186 pounds. Um, and then that was under a year. Uh, and that was when I decided to make a transition as most people, or especially now it's very popular, but you transition from a ketogenic diet to carnivore, whether that be through a challenge. I did world carnivore month, um, in the first year that I had heard about it. Uh, now it's obviously very popular. It's, it, it is, a a hot button issue, uh, but we don't have to necessarily get into that. But I did keto uh, and I transitioned to carnivore because I still had maintained a lot of those whole food uh, single ingredient principles that I was doing on paleo because that worked. That was the one thing that I couldn't, I could look back on and say undeniably, it was like changing those foods worked. Uh, and now I'm just playing around with the macros i'm not worried about food selection anymore it's how much of different foods am i eating and how much of these macronutrients Um, i use keto i get down to 186 pounds i make the transition to carnivore uh, and that kind of breaks this long stall because i had taken keto down to 186 and then i had been pegged there for a little while um, about a month possibly a little more Uh, so i decided to do carnivore not even necessarily for weight loss just for like screw it let's try something different let's mix it up a little maybe this will be fun uh and then I did that for months. It was supposed to be a 30-day challenge. Within the first two weeks, I got down to 178. And that was the lowest uh that I've ever weighed as an adult. That is really the lowest that I ever remember seeing on a scale, no matter how far back you want to go. Um, although obviously I had weighed less than that. Um, but 178 pounds was the smallest or the, my lightest weight uh ever. I did that following carnivore. I did it with for 30 days and I kept going for I would say almost a year. Um, and now I've kind of settled on this hodgepodge hybrid between keto carnivore. Uh, and my weight is actually up. Uh, I don't weigh that 178 anymore. I'm actually 196. Uh, but I still wear the same size pants as I did at 178. So my focus shifted somewhere along there from weight loss solely to, to trying to, uh, get bigger, improve my performance, my body composition. Uh, I began jujitsu also while I was keto uh, shortly before making that transition to carnivore. So I've been a ketogenic athlete with air quotes because I will, no matter what, I will always be uncomfortable calling myself an athlete because the first athletic thing I ever did in my life was when I was 27. So I don't have a lot of background or a lot of big resume to say athlete, but I've been all of my athletics have been done following a ketogenic or very low carb carnivore diets. Uh and I think that pretty much catches us up to now and hopefully that explains why I feel qualified to be on the quarantine
0: edition of the Fat Guy forum. Well, I think there's there's probably a lot of things you you missed, Ben. I mean, Absolutely. You, you didn't know. I'm I'm just teasing you. But I do want to I want to go back into a couple things because one of the things that first drew me to connect with you um However long ago that was, was obviously, you know, there's there's a similar pattern to our experience. Um, although, you know, our numbers are different in terms of weights and things along those lines. Like I also had my first kind of like major, you know, what seemed like a major weight loss success through the use of, of a paleo and primal diet, and then kind of came back around, you know, fell off the wagon for a couple of years and you know, then turn to keto, and I think there's some things that come out of that that paleo primal area that people don't think about sometimes. Like so, what? But what I would like to to kind of get your perspective on is, you know, because you you took us really into what happened. You know, really, it seemed like it was like life circumstances that had a big impact on what changed things for you food wise. Like, do you think there was anything about the paleo primal program that you were following that affect you know? Was there anything there that was unsustainable or was there anything there that you felt, you know, was that made it easy for you to go off of it? Like, I'm just trying to think, like, I don't know if that question makes any sense, but I know sometimes people talk about their, you know, is there is there something that was going on there? Like, do you think it was really more about, you know, your 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 stress and coping, you know, mechanisms of food that pulled you off of that initially? Or do you think there was something that was built into what you were doing?
1: Uh, the one thing that I feel like, and that I felt like paleo was allowing me to do was still, I was still scratching my sweet tooth itch. So I think in a sense, it made the slope a little slipperier. I think no matter what diet I was following at the time, I would have fallen off. Uh, I just think that if it had been keto, it would have perhaps taken longer, um, because I was doing like, you know, apple crumbles that were sweetened with honey with almond flour on top. Right. And I would make that and try to make it last a couple of days uh, because I still wanted to follow my diet, but I just needed, again, some semblance of pleasure uh, slash happiness. I just needed something that I that I enjoyed in my life. And so once the apple crumbles and all the paleo desserts stop doing the trick, uh, that it just became normal food. And I don't I don't know for certain that it that it would that I would have fallen off uh, as fast, if I was doing keto, I think keto it's, it sincerely does allow me personally to control my appetite and my actions around food. And I don't know if that relates back to mental clarity benefits that people talk about, or the hormonal aspects or all of the benefits that we, that we kind of sing the praises of the keto diet. Uh, I don't know that that would have been able to save me, but I do think that paleo allowed for some more mess arounds, right? It was a little easier to be sloppy in terms of calories and sugar and carbohydrates. And, and I think that that just pushed me back into, like, if I'm already eating all of this food, why I might as well just eat instead of my own paleo apple pie, I'm just going to go get hostess apple pies. Right. So, oh yeah,
0: no, I, I think that makes complete sense. Like, it's funny because I think about like when I first started paleo, it was, it was almost pushed as almost keto like it was basically like eat mostly green vegetables and then every so often have a sweet potato you know and every so often have some fruit and i feel like in the the actual like communities and like the social media presence and all those things there started to be some pushback like whereas like the paleo community didn't want to be the keto community so it, it was almost like a lot of the major paleo and primal programs started to become more about like Now, make sure every day you're having a sweet potato and and don't forget you can use honey and make sure that you're getting enough fruit and make sure that you're using, you know, you're having enough winter squashes. And I saw a lot of people that like I knew that were using it for weight loss falling off because they were because let's be realistic. Like when you're, you know, a big person that has issues with carbs and all of a sudden someone tells you that white potatoes are back on the menu, you know and that it's okay to have butter, or it's it's okay to have olive oil with them, or it's okay to make french fries, you know, make french fries, it's okay, you know, as long as you're using a paleo fat, you know, and I'm not saying <laughs> it. And, I'm, and like, let's,
1: i don't, Oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, it's just really funny to me that you use potatoes as the example, because that was another thing that I was big on, was cutting potatoes up and making my own french fries in the oven, because this was before the air fryer really, uh, Came into popularity, so but I, that – exactly. I have a plate that was three quarters piled with French fries, possibly two small potatoes, and then a burger patty or two. So, like, I felt like I was doing the right thing, but I, really I was right. just
0: – yeah. And I think for some people it works. Like, I know some people that do it and can thrive and can eat. And, and I think those also are – like, when I used to eat potatoes when I was heavier, it was – Basically, you know, like if I was eating baked potatoes, it was a baked potato in like a butter and sour cream soup. Basically, like you know, I'm using it as like a calorie vehicle. Like, and also because because I'm eating the potato, I'm the the satiation from the fat isn't coming because the the carbs are driving the hunger, and it was amazing to me because I was big into like the whole thirty my first time around and. I remember when I was, I had kind of come, I think I had regained my weight already. And I saw like a big, I was still on all the mailing lists and everything. And it was like a big announcement by the whole 30, like white potatoes are back on the menu. And I'm like, white potatoes are what? (laughs) What are you doing? What is happening? How are we? Wait a minute. What? Oh, okay. But it was very much a pushback against like you know, carbs aren't bad. So eat your wife, you have a potato and everything will be okay. And I'm like, Oh, but for some people that's going to make them hungry. We're not thinking about that. Are we? Okay. It's okay. Exactly. And then you look at, and let's be fair. There are, there are ways to do the same exact things on keto. I think that any tool you use, there's ways to get around it. Like let's, you know, I, I, I think it might be too soon in our discussion to talk about keto pop tarts, but keto pop tarts exist now. Like, And every person who's eating them is like, oh, this is good. It's not really a Pop-Tart, but it tastes good. And I'm like, then why are you okay? Right. Yeah. Uh, It's not really, this doesn't really taste like ice cream, but it's good. And I'm okay.
1: So you, yeah, you just traded one vice for another.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think like that, like it's, it's something to think about. Like I I don't want to, like, like, dwell on kind of what you went through but i think it's really telling like that you're able to to be cognizant of the way that stressor in your life you know caused that impact it like saw those behaviors you know start to come back into play like i was recording with someone else yesterday and they were talking about like they were they learned as a child that food was a coping mechanism so that when stress happened or good things happened you know any kind of big thing happened food should be there and food should be present and and I do have to I have to throw back for a second to you talked about shopping in the husky section. Um I immediately flash back to that and I I flash back to the day, I think it was 6th grade that I outgrew the husky section and we had to start shopping in the men's section. So there was literally no men's pants that were would fit my legs at all. Um like they were well, like they are like, too
1: long <laughs> like completely.
0: So like we're going to shop it was a summer, too. It was the summer before my 6th grade. And we were shopping for... I was in Catholic school and shopping for uniforms. So we're at the store. The, the only store... Like, you had to go to the same... If you're not someone who went... Anyone out there listening who didn't go to Catholic school, you usually were directed to one store to get your uniform. It wasn't... Like, at the back then, it wasn't like, buy blue pants and a blue shirt. It was, you must buy this, this, brand, this brand pant and this brand shirt. And we went. And the uniform guy is like, yeah, we're not... We don't have pants for him. Like, we don't have... Like we have similar pants in the men's section. So I basically had tailored men's pants that then made me completely stand out. You know, so if I wasn't getting bullied enough at the time, there I go. And they're just like a shade off. They're like, it's slightly off. And people are like, you're like, and you're thinking like, no one will notice. No one will notice. And the first day people are like, why are you wearing weird pants? Why are your pants different? Why are your pants different? Fatty, what's going on? Fatty with your weird pants. Like, (laughs) kids notice like kids notice don't ever think that kids don't notice especially Definitely. if you're a parent kids notice um but i think like that that experience like coming through that sounds like it gave you you know when you ha- when you found your way back to wanting to to come come back you know to lose weight again like it seemed like it was more you know it, it wasn't just about okay my weight is out of control my eating is out of control again like you were feeling the impact of it on your life and your purpose and like i i like hearing you talk about you know that you didn't you didn't have a passion you know you had video games and you had food and for a lot of us we try to I think we try to make food our passion for a long time you know it whether we do it intentionally or not like you you become that person who's the like let's we're foodie you know I'm a foodie, I'm a foodie I cook I love cooking you know like for me, I did love cooking, but I love cooking because cooking allowed me to create these elaborate meals for myself that I didn't have to eat out in public I could create them and eat them myself like. You know, it allowed, it gave me that ability to kind of enable that behavior, but enable it in in an identity, you know, in a way that it was like, this is my passion, food is my passion, you know, like it keeps me going. And so I think it's great to see that you've kind of come through your journey with a lot of different pieces, you know, intact, and then found some direction. Something I do want to talk about that came about as you were going through your journey is Primal Bro evolved. Yes. You know, it became, you yes. know, we ought to, just... so can you talk about kind of like where that, you know, where that came from and what, you know, what that represents for you? And uh, so,
1: yeah, it so it started, it, it all started, it started kind of as a, I don't want to say a, as a goof, but I, I was getting online and I was following all these resources and I just wanted So like we had talked about, right? Paleo made it easier to mess around. And a big part of that was me on the internet looking for recipes for these pies I was making and these potato dishes, right? Going back to all the things that I thought were good. And I I, quickly, I guess, before I go further into that, I do still think that a whole foods diet is far superior than The standard american diet i think uh matt vincent is someone who that you you and uh, our friend miles telecron had uh introduced me to so to speak or you're the reason that i am aware of of who he is Um, but he was on mark bell's podcast and he he said something along the lines of on my 600 pound life they don't cut people out of their houses surrounded by apple cores and banana peels and it's absolutely true that that's not what they're eating at the time but it's what that can allow you to eat but anyway uh, as I'm looking for all of these recipes, um, these whole food single ingredient recipes, they're on blogs. And 99% of these blogs are dedicated or directed towards women, which I'm sure, in terms of marketing and demographics, I'm sure that is an excellent idea. On top of that, the people that run them are women. So obviously, they would be speaking from their own perspectives. Um, but what I didn't like having to do was as I searched for paleo recipes and things like that, I didn't like having to read sports bra reviews and how a paleo diet impacts the menstrual cycle, right? I have to skim through all these to find the recipes I want on the blogs. So it was just mixed among a bunch of things that didn't necessarily apply to me. Uh, so what I decided that I would do was I started Primal bro, and it felt very literal because it was primal in terms of the diet and the lifestyle that I'm trying to encompass, and bro in a sense of not a chick, right? Not a girl, not feminine. Um, I thought that that really, I thought that really sold it. This is like a really simple explanation uh, for what you could expect from my content. And while it may not be as telling anymore, um, it was very appropriate at the time. So I started that when I was doing paleo, and then when I fell off and I went through. Um, that job and the commute and that hardship, uh, that was one of the first things to go even before I stopped eating paleo was getting on social media media and monitoring it um, for a couple reasons. Number one is it, it made me feel guilty, which it should have, right? I just, oh, look, people are still, by the time I'm eating Hostess pies, I'm not going to get on Instagram and look at people who are eating steak and asparagus, right? I just can't. I'm not going to keep beating myself up over this thing that I'm already aware that I'm doing. So I just stopped using that. I stopped using that account for the longest time. Uh, And then as I recommitted and I wanted to get back on social media, just to see what those old resources and bloggers and influencers that I had followed in paleo to see what they were doing. um, You sign back in and then all of a sudden, you know, the first time I'm back in this world, so to speak, I start hearing about, keto this is very popular at the time it's gaining steam it's not nearly as popular as it is today uh but it it was kind of like right at the beginning of the upswing uh in popularity so keto as i again part of that recommitting myself was finding a purpose and a passion and they kind of coincided or occurred at the same time so i log back into primal bro and then I, i want to it starts as wanting to just observe, be a lurker and lose weight. Right. And then once I have my success doing keto and doing carnivore and I'm documenting it as I go along, um, obviously people are into success. So when they see that I'm posting where I'm having success doing these things, the following grows a little bit. And then somehow before you know it, I guess Primal Bro kind of becomes this thing that it is now. But to me, what it really is, is just It is me, uh, and that sounds stupid, so I'll elaborate. There's no boss. There is no one to tell me not to say this thing, not to do this thing, uh, not to try this, not to post this, not to do anything. It's a place for me to speak freely, right? I can say, share any opinion um, on any topic. Obviously, it's mostly related to food and fitness, uh, but every now and then, I guess I like to jump out of my lane because everybody likes to say, stay in your lane nowadays. Um, but it is just Primal Bro. Now is just the moniker or the name or the banner that I operate under as an individual. Um, obvi- I do. I have my podcast. You know, I do coaching. I post on Instagram constantly. I try to be an example of what people can do. Um, so Primal Bro is just really an unapologetic, sincere expression of me. Uh, and I want to inform people. I want to inspire people. And I want to entertain people. And if I can do one of or all three of those things, then I'm I'm happy and I get to do it being myself and being sincere to, to who I really now feel like I am a person, right? I have purpose and passion and he, this is how I share it with the world.
0: That's awesome, man. And there's some facets of that that I do want to talk about eventually, but I, I also, there's some things I don't want to get away from yet uh, exactly. Because one of the things that came into play in your journey was talking about being, you know, getting, getting married and having children young, being the fat dad, you know, being that father, you know, being the dad that was working five days a week and coming home on the weekend and, and being tired and playing video games. And, you know, that being one of the things that stood out to you when you realized it was time to make a change. Like, so one, uh, we have to give a, a, a shout out um, to your wife because I hope, that, I hope that Tori does listen to this. Um, and even if she doesn't listen to this, I'm going to give a shout out to her just so she can hear about it from other people. Because um, she's also, she's a force to be reckoned with. I, I remember meeting her the first day, you know, with the first, when, you know, I think we, you would come the first day of KetoCon alone. That was correct, right? She, was I day was two? there Did that she Friday.
1: She arrived, at, or Friday night, I guess. She came in late. I came in early, yeah.
0: So it was like Friday. We got to meet Ben and hang out with Ben, and then Ben was like, "Oh, tomorrow my wife is going to be here," and I and you were probably one of the only people that was like, "And my wife is coming to KetoCon," and I know initially I was like, "Well, this is this will be interesting. I don't really know anything about Ben's wife. This will really this will be really an interesting thing." And I just remember meeting her that first morning at Starbucks and being like, "We don't need to talk to Ben anymore. Like, we can just talk to Tori. Like, she's got a, she's a force. She's a force to be reckoned with. So that was she's she's fantastic, but." I can understand like the challenges that are there for both of you. And one of the things I think is great is like when you look at when Transformation Tuesday rolls around and you're posting pictures, often instead of just being a picture of yourself changing, you've posted pictures of the journey that both of you have been on. So what has it been like to kind of be parenting through, you know, a journey that she's on, a journey that you're on and, and being in a relationship together and knowing that you both have these challenges that you deal with?
1: So that's, I mean, it's all excellent. And she does deserve a shout out, uh, all the shout outs. Uh, She, I could not handle myself. I could not handle a me. Um, And I have all the respect. I have all the respect in the world for her, for putting up with my shenanigans, just to sum it all up in one word. Um, But yes, she is patient and understanding. uh, And she's always been supportive. Uh, and there were times where that was problematic in a sense of as we go through this journey, um, when I want to do paleo, uh, I guess we'll go from the beginning because we have been together for the duration. Uh, she was she was been with me for the tail end of the, my initial gain up to three th- uh, thirty-three. We were married when I went to that doctor's appointment. Obviously, we had uh, a child. So. I was always the first, I'm like, I got to make this change. I'm doing paleo, right? I'm doing it. And she's very supportive. So it was always absolutely babe, whatever you need to do, we can do this. Um, but she was not going to do it with me. She was just supporting me fully. Um, and then it's one of those things where you hear it all the time. I had success. So then she's like, well, you know, maybe I'll have a little success because as happens, uh, people get comfortable." I my issues with my weight and with food and things like that are deeper than just accidentally gaining some weight and then pulling yourself back. Uh, I'm not what I would, I guess, consider normal, but she very much is. She got heavier with me because I would cook two packs of hot dogs because I would feel the need to eat a whole pack for myself. And then we still had a family. So she would obviously be eating because I was constantly bringing an abundance of food around. Um, and you know, it was just something that we did together because like I said, I didn't have interests or hobbies. So what are we going to do together? How are we going to spend time together? Well, let's just eat. Right. It goes back to that. Um, uh, so beca- I think mostly because of me, she also got pretty heavy. Um, but she began paleo after me, um, and she had lost a significant amount of weight When I went through my regain, she had a minor, some minor regain, just again, because of the nature of our lifestyle change, not having the clean foods in the house anymore. Uh, So what she was eating was, um, you know, problematic uh, or, you know, it was just less desirable. Um, And then as I went keto, it was kind of the same thing as when I went paleo. It was like, well, you have fun with that. Um, I will support you. I'll buy the stuff. I'll cook the food. I'll help you with whatever, but I'm not doing it right now. Uh, and then she began doing keto and she is also, she's lost a hundred and, uh, she's not going to like that. I don't know the number, a hundred and ish pound she's lost a hundred and ish pounds. Uh, so she's, I mean, she's done an amazing job. She doesn't attach herself to it. She's not as passionate about weight loss and health as I am. And I think that's just because of our, where we started or where we came from. I had the dysfunctional relationship, so to speak, with food, and and it's really important to me. It's that other people can break through things like that. But she just doesn't have that perspective because it was all it, it was always easier for her than it than it was for me. And uh, again, mad props or respect respect <laughs> to her for for being able to handle that. But she is just intensely supportive, uh, and she, like you said, she's a, a force for sure. We can we could go deeper into that, but. The real thing with parenting or with being together and, and it or like the complicated part around all this is like we can change our diets easy. We can talk to each other and understand why we're doing what we're doing and why and making changes. And, and that part's all easy. Uh, but having children and getting them used to things and changing things and it's never it's never simple. Uh, fortunately, in a sense, um, I think my son is he's, he's the, the oldest. I have three. We have three children. Uh, my son is nine years old. Uh, My middle child, my first daughter is eight years old. And then we have the, uh, and then we have the youngest and she is uh, almost five years old. So my son is really the only one who I feel like consciously remembers what it used to be like, if, if that makes sense. Like His foundation, his foundation is clearly different and you see it in the way that they behave and talk about food, even word choice at times. And and you just see that he's a little more standard American than the others. Um, But for the majority of their lives, we have been promoting to them or instilling in them a, a foundation of whole food, single ingredients. So they have bananas and they have oranges Um, they'll have different yogurts and we'll do applesauce. Uh, but we always prioritize meat, your meat's the first thing that goes, right. We're going to get proteins. We're getting fats. Um, to me, we let them mess around birthday cakes and they go to parties and pizza sometimes like they have, I think what a lot of adults or what a lot of people think their life is going to look like when they start a diet. That's kind of like where my kids are at, but We make sure that their foundation and kind of their home base or their default position is eating whole food, single ingredients. And then they understand beyond that how sugar is not desirable. It may taste good and and it can be, you know, you can eat it in this situation or that situation. But, you know, we're, it's somewhat touch and go as anything with parenting is. You need, I guess you see how they react to the strategies that you implement. Um, But as a whole, I think that we're doing the right thing. And I'm very happy uh, with where my kids are because it is a night and day difference from where I was at their age. And even my wife, it's, she, they get it, you know, cause it's not just whole foods. They also understand a little bit about, they can dive deeper into uh, fruit is sugar still, right? They, like, I've explained that concept. We've kind of gone over that. So like, even though you're eating an apple, there's still some sugar in it. So you don't want to eat apples all day long, you know? So- It's been tricky and some aspects get easier. Some aspects get harder. uh, But ultimately we like to keep everyone in the house centered around the mantra or the idea of just eat real food, real food. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Not pop. I guess. Of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So, and this, so, so this is one of the things I wanted to bring up when I got, I knew I would get a chance to talk to you because I know, Yeah, I've seen what you do, you know, kind of your approach with your children and how that works. And I'll be honest, I get messages a lot from parents who are concerned about their children, you know, about what their children are eating and about their children's weight and things along those lines. Like, I'm just wondering from your perspective, if you have any advice to them, anyone who's dealing with those issues with their children and like what maybe like a a direction to give them to start thinking about like, and it may be that you don't, you know, like it's completely okay. But I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Um, I, I do, I have, th- I have thoughts on most, uh, topics, uh, terms of qualification oh, yeah. I mean, I, I of sharing <laughs> in terms of qualifications of sharing them uh, as facts. I don- I'm not too sure, but I will say, um, there's a couple things that always come to mind. Cause I have, obviously I have people that will message me similar things and they, they're talking about transitioning a family versus again, just like, cause like I said, my wife and I, we could just change. It was easy. Uh, but to pull and, and do these other people, bring them along with you, that's where it can get challenging. But there's two big things um, in that regard to me is that it's it obviously it wasn't easy for you to start either. It's not easy for you to start. So why do you think that it would be easy for them? Uh, I think it will get easier over time. It'll get easier over time. And you'd be surprised what everyone, child or not child, uh, can normalize, right. So how quickly it can happen as well. Um, so the first couple of weeks, I mean, maybe it's bad, um, but they'll get used to it. And then the objection that comes in next there, uh, is always, but they're picky eaters, right. That they, but they don't, you know, they don't not going to want to eat the greens. They're not going to want to eat this. And my thought there is a little more severe or harsh in a sense of like, you are the parent so like, there's a lot of things that if your kid had the choice, they wouldn't do like clean their room and take showers, brush their teeth and shit stuff. I'm so sorry. Um, so, so, but, so like, there's a lot of things that if your kid has the choice, they're not going to do but you don't give them the choice in any of these other, I mean, a tremendous amount of choice, at least you don't let them run hundred percent of their lives, but you let them run hundred percent of their diet. And if you're looking at making the change, obviously you understand how important that diet is. Uh, So it goes back to you're the parent. You have to do what you know to be right. Um, They will get used to it. And one last concern that people bring up is that they're worried about a child's health and development and things like that. And this is where I get really unqualified. Um, But going back to paleo, it feels evolutionarily, right? If they're eating similarly to how we evolved, the way that you're trying to do, if you're doing paleo or keto or whatever, um, if they're eating close to how they would have evolved, how's that bad for them? And if you're willing to eat this way and do this to your body why you're not do it you obviously think it's safe enough for someone to do um you're both humans I mean obviously there are differences in a developing child but I think that when you get into the nitty-gritty and you look at nutrient density and things like that letting your kids eat cheerios for breakfast is not go- as good as having them eat eggs and bacon um and I guess I'll just end it with that
0: Yeah I think it's I think you hit on some like one of the things you hit on that I think is important is like one it, at the at the root of it all if you're not doing it your kids aren't going to do it like you can't be eating a big mac and telling your kids to eat the salad with the grilled chicken on it like that that needs to you know you need to think about like that leading by example but I like that you you talked about you know there it's not like if a kid got in the car and said I'm too fidgety for a seatbelt you'd say oh okay don't put your seatbelt on. <laughs> exactly. you know, oh, he's fidgety. He doesn't wear a seatbelt. This seems dangerous. Yeah, but he's fidgety. You know, he's fine. He's why fi- is he hanging out the window? He needs the air. That's what he needs. He needs the air. You know, that's why I'm doing this. And, you know, there's challenges. And I think there's a lot, like, especially when you look back, like, I look back on what I was like at 10 years old when I was put on my first diet. Like, I had a lot of control over my food at 10. Like. I was getting yes. food that was not provided to me by my family at, at 11 years old, you know, going to McDonald's, going to the store, going to all these different places. Like you're doing those things. Like you need to realize that like there's, you know, it's once your kids are out in the world, it's almost like the genie's out of the bottle in a lot of ways. And like, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to rein that back in, you know, without some bigger intervention. And so there's things to think about as like, you're beginning, you know, their journey, like, don't, don't let it go. Like, okay, they can eat crap for the first five or six years, and then we'll bring it back in. Because, you know, by then the behavior and the patterns are established, you know, the the even the, the food response is established, like, you know, and I don't I usually don't respond to people when they ask me because I'm like, I'm not a parent, you know. So if I say something that would push a parent the wrong way, and I get feed, you know, get pushed back from that or get yelled at, I'm like, I don't that's not my place. That's not my realm to step into. But I can speak as someone that was a fat kid, and I know what it was like, the way my family approached my food issues, you know, they approached it from a very kind of a not what's the best way to describe it? like, it was very much like a, from a shame place and from a place of, you need to make immediate change, and we need to fix this problem. Like it was never about, let's talk about food and why food's important and things along those lines. Like it was very much from this place of just do this, and this will fix this, you know, and we'll take care of you. But I mean, parents knew less about food back then as well, I think like in a lot of ways. So the things are very different. You know, I, when did I grow up? It was like the thirties and forties. We were just coming in. We were just heading into world war two. Uh, was, was, I was in grammar school, something along those lines. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you ask my, if you ask, if this you is, ask, yeah, this Miles is your second go
1: around like did, with a pandemic.
0: Now, uh, if you ask, if you ask John Shane, I, I lived through the black plague in Europe. Um, so if I made <laughs> it through that, I got to make it through this. Like, but I think there's something to be said, like, I think you, you hit on some really good points, like just thinking about like what you're, you know, what, what we can control, what we can't control and kind of getting into that. And I think that's a great perspective. And I, I like seeing, you know, I think also your. Pers- when you talk about it, when you talk about, you know, food with your children, though, it's not like you're you, you don't turn it. You didn't flip a switch and turn into this taskmaster explaining it to me like it still was very much like. We instill in them this like this concept of whole foods, this of single ingredient foods, but we also don't tell them that having birthday cake out at a party is a naughty experience, and you know there should be shame around that, and like because I think that's what can start to create those bad behaviors, like and sneak eating and those sorts of things, because oh I have to hide this from mom and dad, you know I have to hide that I want to do this from them, like there's there's ways I don't think we realize that we have ripple effects when we we talk about things because especially those of us who really get into like keto or get into paleo or get into, you know, a diet, you know, veganism or vet, being vegetarian, like we have passion. And sometimes that passion doesn't always translate the same way to children when they're trying to understand it. Like they're not necessarily going to understand the same concepts. So I, I think it sounds like your your approach is solid, man.
1: Right. we just give them like the Sesame Street version of nutrition, you know?
0: Definitely. Like it, it shouldn't, you, there should not be graphs and, you know, pie charts necessarily when you're explaining. Yeah, they don't have macros. To a macro child. Yeah. Like you don't want, you're not, you don't expect your five-year-old to go into school during the day and say, no, I don't want that because that's going to affect my ghrelin level and I'll be hungry all afternoon. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Oh, I, Oh, I have a poor hormonal response to those foods. No. No, do you know about the lectins right. in those grains? Like, can we talk about? Can <laughs> yeah. we, can we talk about? Have you heard of like, oxalates? Like, yeah, like how do you, yeah how do you feel about oxalates? Like, do you know they're killing you every day? They are literally killing you. So every what are day, you doing It's is silent. Killer. Every day, yep. It's it literally it's 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 almost not silent. Like I hear that plant scream when you come down. <laughs> that's a whole that's that's a whole other episode. I do have. I am getting a vegan, a, a vegetarian vegan friend on soon. So that should be that's something Good. I want to bring up to him. I want to be like, we need to talk about this. Plants experience pain. Your response? (laughs) Your response. And
1: There's your Barbara Walters attack moment.
0: Right. And that's when he'll hang up probably. And I'll be like, okay, (laughs) there we go. There's the episode, folks. There we go. That's how it went. Thanks for tuning in. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So, Ben, one of the things I I also wanted to talk to uh, with you uh, is, so you have gone through this journey yourself, you know, losing weight, regaining weight, losing weight again. And one of the things that you're doing, besides a rival podcast that we, I'm not going to put in the show notes because I just I don't <laughs> want I don't I, no I will I will obviously it's it's called the Primal Dude Show I think everyone Google Primal Dude Show I think Primal Dude called. Show you got uh, it nailed it Primal, Primal Dude Show um but you're also you you you're also a coach and I think there's something you know that I I'd like to just talk about kind of like how that evolved for you like going from your own experiences to now helping other people.
1: So it was uh, again a transition that I can identify, but I don't necessarily know how or when. So somewhat unintentional. Uh, but as you know, you get the more the more you share of your success and your journey uh, on social media, the more people will contact you looking for help. Like we've talked about multiple times on multiple subjects um, in this conversation, and I always found it really, I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, But then the more, for lack of a better term, popular I became or my page became, the more uh, messages that were coming in, the more it felt like it was taking a lot of time to help people with a lot of certain things, different complicated things. Um, And then I realized that like, hey, you know, I'm not bad at this. Like I, I give people this advice and I can articulate it very well. I can explain it. It's just it became it was something that I was almost doing for free that I decided I wanted to formalize um, because the I'm I'm not going to to sugarcoat so to speak, but I would love for Primal Bro as a brand or entirety to be something that can support me so that I can focus more on these things that I'm so passionate about. Um, I feel a very deep connection, like we talked about, with people who are going through a weight loss journey. If you are looking for a coach to help you lose 20 pounds and get on a stage for a bodybuilding show, that's not at all the kind of service that I am offering or or the kind of endeavor that I'm looking to kind of attack. I want to help the person who I used to be uh because that's just very meaningful to me and it, there's a lot of there's a lot of like fulfillment uh, that I feel when I'm able to help someone break a plateau or start dieting for the first time maybe lose the first bit of weight um, there's there's all sorts of things that I am all too familiar with that I try not to lose sight of and trying to be a part of that journey for other people has just become something that I love doing people talk about enjoying the process um, and if the, in terms of the process of coaching, and working with someone directly. I am in love with that process. Um, so it's just like a natural transition from the general help I was trying to provide. I still do my best, obviously, to share the most uh, or as much general and, and kind of helpful things as I can um, outside of a coaching service. But if anybody really felt like they wanted that in-depth help, that's a relationship that I'm interested in. Um, so I figured that I would kind of give that its own I don't know, manifestation, so to speak.
0: I think that makes sense, man. I think it sounds like a natural progression for what you, you know, what you've been through in your own experience and then wanting to be able to continue to give back to other people through that. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. So now that you are, you know, you've got this coaching going so that you don't have to get, you don't have to handle so many questions directly on your Instagram. um, I'm going to ask you for some free advice on a couple of things, if that's okay. Yes absolutely <laughs> so now that we've established that you're a coach that people pay for let's get a freebie out of ben okay <laughs> so we are in the we're in the thick of of the quarantine you know we're in that time where you know i think we we all you and i have both seen there are different there are different people and different levels to like the the keto community into the carnivore community into the paleo community about ingredient quality and access and all of those issues that come into play but now what we're dealing with for people is sometimes there's access and sometimes there is isn't access whether you have the money or not so what are your what is your biggest advice to people that are that are struggling to even envision how they can stay on a, on a keto carnivore way of eating while they're dealing with these quarantine issues
1: uh my advice is the advice that I would give in this situation is kind of honestly, it, it's similar to advice that I would give uh, any other time. But I think it's far more important now, given things, you know, uh, I I would. So th- we often treat things too much in absolutes. Uh, it goes back to saying I was eating so many white potatoes on paleo, but they're they were. They're approved, so I did good, right? I was doing good. Or these Pop Tarts are keto, so I'll eat six of them. I did good because it's keto, but it's things are not absolute. It's not all or nothing. There's a spectrum. So at one end of the spectrum, you can have, in terms of your food quality and food selection, your food choices, and especially in this really hard time uh, with food availability. On one end of the spectrum, you have things like, bread pasta macaroni and cheese right let's say craft macaroni and cheese is the low point of the spectrum uh and then all the way at the other end we have grass-fed grass-finished daily massaged cows right like this uber high quality meat uh that you get directly from a farm right or this there's a lot of space in the middle so if you can't find if you're someone who prioritizes grass-fed or if you think that grass-fed is the right way to do things you really just need to shake the whole notion of right and wrong you need to do the best you can with what is available to you in this time right so i just bought these frozen burger patties that are undoubtedly uh undoubtedly uh grain fed grain finished i'm sure they probably i mean they probably didn't treat the cows the best that you can bring that up with your vegan friend as well um but I didn't go to the store and buy potato chips and Pop-Tarts and Oreos. I'm looking at you, Poro. Uh, I didn't go to the store and buy all of this crap food because I can't get the, the thing that I want. I can't do good, so I might as well do bad. That's flawed logic, right? You, I can't do great, but I can still do good. That's how you should be looking at it. So Just get what's available to you. I mean, don't, if you're someone who eats a carnivore diet, but you can only get half the meat you would normally get, just go ahead and buy the spinach. You know what I mean? Like just do the best you can, given what is available to you. That is my advice all the time. Don't treat it in absolutes. Uh, and particularly in this time, it becomes, I think that much more important to share that advice.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause like I was even, I had someone DM me the other day who said, because of the situation with his family and what was happening with the jobs of everyone living in his house, like, their money was going back. So they were kind of, like, pooling their resources for getting food. And so he wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to stay completely keto throughout, you know, the next couple of weeks. And so we just started brainstorming, like, okay, so if you're not eating keto... What does that mean that you are eating? Like what what is your family buying that you know might be the better choices? Like what are the what are the things that you can control? So does it mean maybe you're going to have to portion control some rice and beans for a while and deal with the hunger response, you know, and know that that's coming but try to be aware of it and try to, you know, make the best choices you can. Like I don't I don't necessarily think anyone's at a point where they have to necessarily change their lifestyle completely yet, but if that comes, like I think it's op- it's okay for people to give themselves permission To say I'm doing the best that I can right now, you know, and and not, like you said, not not throw it away because things outside of your control are putting you in a different place.
1: Absolutely, because it's again, you can eat. I can eat 200 grams of carbs every day that I'm in quarantine because that's the food that I have available to me. But if my 200 grams of carbohydrates come from Snickers and macaroni and cheese, that looks very different than if it's apples and sweet potatoes. So there's you always have a choice, and you can always choose to do your best, um, and that goes for everything. Uh, specifically, diet, and specifically nap, like currently.
0: And speaking of like the impact of of this time, like something that we haven't talked about yet, really, is you over the past. I mean, I, I, has it? It's been over a year that you have you. It's has been over a year that you've been doing jujitsu now.
1: I started jujitsu in September of 2017. Uh, 17,
0: so, so two years,
1: two almost two almost and a half. Three. I guess you could call it two. That's actually yeah. really close to two and a half years. Yeah. Yep. So thirty months,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. that's been a regular part of your life, and now it's not. Yeah. What's going on? How are you dealing with that? Because I, I I know it's it's going to be not pretty. I know it's not pretty. I I've seen some of the stuff you're posting. I'm a little afraid, Brenna, Ben. I got to be honest. I'm a little afraid.
1: I the word that we use to describe my uh, temperament right now in our house is feisty. Because I'm not angry. I'm not angry, and I'm not mean. Uh, but there's just this little energy inside me. Uh, and I have been working out at home. I've done workouts every day: burpees, kettlebell swings, jumping rope, um, all sorts of different things trying to scratch the itch and replace it because jiu-jitsu for the last 30 months has been a four to six day a week part of my life. Um, I, and, and I, I mean, honestly, yesterday I was supposed to be in uh, Virginia beach at a tournament competing. Um, but that obviously is not happening given the current state of things. And I'm not sure when I'll be able to do that again. So I'm not sure when I'll compete again. Not sure when I'll train again. Uh, And I'm kind of doing, I'm kind of just doing my best to keep, I don't know if this is too extreme, but I say there's like, it's like, there's like a demon almost inside of me, right? There's just this other, there's this other version of me um, that I went to jujitsu so often and so regularly that I didn't realize he was there uh, until now I can't. And I do, like I said, I do my best to kind of satisfy him or keep him at bay at home uh home workouts but there's just a certain competitiveness or aspect that's lacking so it leads to me being a little feisty and i do things like bash people who eat pop tarts or you know all sorts of different things i just my opinions while my opinions are still true to me. And that's the opinion that I would have, even if I wasn't feeling this way, I think my delivery has clearly changed in some of my content. And that may be obvious to people who follow me or it may not it might just be me. Cause I see behind the curtain, so to speak, but, uh, but yeah, there's just like a feistiness and a fire that I was unaware of that I had in myself. And I'm now working on managing, uh, and I'm proud to say that I'm not managing it with food as I would have managed stress and hard times in the past. Uh, Maybe that's obvious, I guess, based on the nature, like the tendency that we've been talking about here I'm trying to try to be very aware, but um, you know, you've posted about it, you've shared about it. We've both talked about it on our social media, but there's, we also feel the stress and the desire to stress eat for a, a multitude of reasons. And, and I mean, both of us have different and similar reasons to, to stress and to feel those kind of old vices calling you but um but it's just about knowing you know, like, know better do better kind of thing uh at this point and um yeah i'm just managing this little fire that i have uh by posting you know my snippy little comments and my sarcasm on social media
0: well ben first i gotta tell you a lot of us knew you had that feisty fire inside of you because <laughs> you've i'm you've, the only you've, one you've, <laughs> You've made some snip, You've made some snippy comments before, man. Where I've been like, oh, oh, Ben is, oh, Ben, oh, Ben's stepping into the deep end right now. Oh, let's see what happens. Let's watch. And I would, <laughs> I would watch. look. I would, I would get keto popcorn. I haven't found a good substitute yet, but I would want. I'm here with the. I'm just here for the popcorn kind of meme going on. But I think <laughs> it makes sense. Like, and I, I think it's 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 great that you're able to kind of realize, like, because it's funny. Because as you were talking about that, like. I, I see so many parallels between, you know, you kind of losing that, you know, losing that outlet of jujitsu when I lost, you know, my outlet of food, you know, and like realizing that, you know, the strong emotions and the, the the simmering that is like I get angry really fast. Like I have, you know, I I definitely don't think my issues are exactly the same as anyone else's, but I think like we, we build up. Healthy and unhealthy mechanisms in ourselves, like and sometimes it's that it, the healthy ones are taken away. You know, like that physical outlet is probably great for you, and then you have it taken away, and that changes, and you're forced to adapt. And so I'm glad to see that it's something that you are adapting to and finding ways to kind of channel that energy so that it doesn't become something that leads back to an old destructive pattern. Because, like you said, it is something I've posted about. Like I, I fear falling back into old patterns during this time, like not just because of the virus, you know, I've got a million other things going on that would have me just as likely to bury my head under a pillow and then now throw this on top of it. And I th- I think that that fear is, I think it's real for people and I think it's okay for people to admit that they have those feelings. But once you're conscious of it, you can make better choices. You know, you can find ways to channel that energy. You can find something else to try to help you do it in a healthy way. And I think it's important and, and it's great that you are doing that. But yeah,
1: because so, like I can't lie, there's been oh
0: no. Sorry. there's I can't lie, there's been I'm days,
1: like- there's been days, uh, at least twice, I think, since I've been home where I will have finished eating for the day um at lower calories, again, mind you, because I'm not training jujitsu. So even though I am working out, I'm not eating as much because the load or what I'm asking from my body is not as high. But there have been days where I'm done and I've hit kind of my numbers and I'm where I want to be. And then all of a sudden I start eyeballing the keto bricks that I have uh, in my pantry. And it's like, if I I could house that whole thing right now, and that's a thousand calories. um, It's just, so it's not that the thoughts aren't there. It's that I'm aware of them and I know how to kind of how to deal with myself a little bit.
0: And I don't want this just to be the quarantine episode because, you know, we've been talking about having you on for a while. Like, so what is it? Tell us a little bit about what it is about. Like, Aside from helping you deal with the raging fire inside of you that we now know about, uh, what is it about uh, jiu-jitsu that drew you to it and, and has turned it into a passion of yours?
1: I guess we'll go way back again. I'll tell. I'll go another more story time. But when, uh, when I was young, uh, and like I said, my dad was gone for five days out of the week. He'd be on the weekends. So what we would do on the weekends is we would watch movies together. And most often they were... Uh, martial arts movies, a lot of Jacques claude Van Damme, a lot of Bruce Lee, a lot of Chuck Norris. Uh, so I had always been like Rocky, the Rocky series is my favorite movie series of all time, even to to this day. Uh, I just, I, it just maybe it's because of how significant it was when I was younger to me, you know, more so than it being a quality, quality movie series. But regardless, uh, I've always been fond of, even before I had aspirations to be uh, athletic or active. I'd always been fond of like martial arts, uh, and, uh, violence in a, in a, in a non scary sense. Uh, I just liked that, like that thought of fighting and people testing themselves against each other. Uh, so what I did was once I lost weight, um, on keto, uh, most of the weight, not all of it. I began training in jujitsu, uh, when I started, the reason I chose jujitsu, Jitsu, I had tried kickboxing before that. I tried a class and I just wasn't crazy about it, but mainly because I had been fat my whole life and I was unathletic. So throwing a kick above somebody's knee, uh, was very difficult and learning how to turn, out like turn on your foot, uh, and turn your hips. When you punch things, it was all, it was just, it was complicated and it, it was, I didn't feel good about it. Uh, so then I tried a Jiu Jitsu class. Um. When I, my first jujitsu class, it was, it's different. Uh, there's still an element of learning and moving your body. And then you have, there's awkward movements because you don't know how to do it. Um, and everyone's a beginner. But when I, I started in, at the end uh, of every class, at least at my gym and at mo- of most gyms towards the end, there, there's a period of time where you can like spar, they call it rolling and you go hundred uh, percent. So you almost get this simulation of that competition um, and fighting and all that stuff that I had been so into. So that was the biggest appeal initially was that it kind of checked the boxes I had at the time. Uh, and I think over time training, the boxes have just changed. I now view jujitsu as there there's an element of discipline and obviously I want to get better. And there's still a very real competitive, um, I don't like masculine, all of the, there's just a like, a really like visceral urge feeling reaction that I get that it just, like I said earlier, it kind of scratches the right itch inside. Um, But beyond that, the, the it's a pursuit that kind of never ends. Uh, Black belt is a long commitment. You're looking at a decade plus potentially. Um, And you really, even once you get to black belt, you're not done learning because styles evolve and change and tactics change. And, it's kind of like an endless pursuit right and that's one thing that's very appealing to it because with weight loss you hit a certain weight you hit a certain weight and then that's over um or you can you know you can get bigger there but everything else just feels like there is an end where there's some sort of finality uh to it whereas jujitsu even when you reach what's viewed as finality in terms of black belt you still have a lot to learn Because the day that you get your black belt, you all of a sudden become the worst black belt because you are the least experienced. Right. And I mean, in a really vague or like figurative sense, you're the newest. Right. So there's people who've been who got to the same level as you and have done it longer so you can learn from them. Uh, There's people who provide different perspectives. So it's like an endless uh, pursuit. And it gives me a very healthy avenue to be um, violent and competitive. Uh, so the like I said, the boxes have now changed, uh, and it means a lot to me now more in terms like a, I don't want to say it's like in a religion almost right. It's just become it's become more of like a a whole enticing lifestyle. Like I apply what I learn in jujitsu and the way that I learn things in jujitsu to my whole life. Or to everything in my life. If you have weaknesses in jujitsu, you want to work on improving those. It it has a lot of parallels to real life. Um, that it helps me deal with life easier because I can relate it to this thing that I love so much versus just taking life as it comes. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but like I said, it's an endless pursuit that I can continuously get better at forever. Uh and it does, if I'm just being very honest. Um, I enjoy the violent, competitive aspect of it.
0: That's awesome, man. That really is cool to hear that you've kind of like found that that fire and that, that that outlet. It sounds like a really great thing. And it's also interesting to get inside that world because so many of the people that we're connected with now are are doing jitsu That you know, it helps give me a greater understanding. So I appreciate that. Uh, of course, yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure, honestly, all of those people probably have different reasons too. All of those people, I'm sure, have similar and different reasons for that. It means so much to them. Oh, for sure, man. For sure.
0: So Ben, I, I, we've been talking about a lot of different facets of your journey and where your life has taken you. Like, I want to kind of come back around, you know, and, in and, and head towards the, the finish line a little bit and just talk about like, what do you think like looking at your journey as a whole, like all the different phases you've, you've gone through and your ups and downs and the different types of, of eating plans you've tried, like, what do you think are the major lessons that you've learned over time?
1: The the biggest lessons that I've learned uh, in this whole journey is to honestly, it's to be, you have to be, I said honestly, but you have to be honest with yourself. I think there's a lot of, we lie to ourselves in a lot of ways, but the, a big one is that like, you never all the way lie to yourself. So you're always a little bit aware Um, of what you're doing. Honesty matters. So if you realize that you have a problem, say with your relationship with food, or if you realize that you're trying to lose weight, then you have to be honest with the things that you're doing. Are you eating too much? Should you look at changing macros? There's just with this uh, quarantine thing and the fire, right? I have to be honest with myself and say, and and identify what that is. It's an undesirable uh, personality trait that I have this fire, so to speak. Um, But the fact that I recognize it and I'm real about the fact that it's there means that I can do things to to kind of tackle it. So I just think that self-awareness and most importantly, being honest with yourself and like that internal reflection, I think is probably the biggest takeaway if I could pull something from everything that I've done.
0: I think that makes complete sense, man. And and before we talk about how people can find you and track you down and listen to your podcast and all of that great stuff, are there any more feisty opinions that you want to get out there?
1: Uh, so we touched on it, and I so and you brought it up like uh, earlier, and I wanted to just say we talked we kind of uh, doo dooed a little bit on the legendary foods keto pop tarts and just somewhat keto replacement snacks in general. I think we use the ice creams and all that stuff. Uh, it goes back to a couple of the things that we talked about. Uh, I just need people to know this that like just because something says keto doesn't mean that it's it's going to be good for you or that it's a healthy thing for you to include in your life uh you can still overeat certain things you can still not be getting the right nutrients um that those products are great but it goes back to what i just talked about which is being honest and aware and i know that if i get those and they taste good enough i'm gonna i can house a box and there's a reasonable chance that it happens although i'm better at controlling myself. Uh, But say even six months ago, to be honest, I don't know that I could have had them in the house uh, without eating all of them. So packaged keto foods don't just stop when you see the word keto on the label, read the rest of the label. And then most importantly, just think about yourself. You know, if you're going to use the food the right way, you know how you're going to use or abuse the food. And if it's going to be abuse, maybe you should pass. Uh, And if you think that you can use it responsibly, then I have no issue with it. But I don't like when people say, I don't like both extremes, going back to absolutes. And I like when people say that this product is good because it's keto or this product is bad uh, because they're taking advantage of keto people. It just is, right? They're trying to put a product out there that people will want. They make hammers and you can buy a hammer and you can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to murder someone. So it's really just a tool. like This is really just a product that you're using. You need to know if you are able to use it well, uh, and you need to make sure that you do use it well and be aware if you're not using it well. And that's my rant. Sorry.
0: Well, that, that went dark fast. You, you, you actually talked about murdering someone with a hammer. So I'm (laughs) concerned. Um, but I think, no, I I mean, me specifically, I, I, uh, metaphorically speaking, um, (laughs) hammer death. Um, I think it's important for people. The other thing that comes up to play into all of this is because I think something I'm guilty of is I look at some of those foods and I see other people who are able to enjoy them in a healthy manner and not have it be triggering or anything along those lines. And I want to be that person. And there are times where I have to realize, you know, be like you said, be honest that I'm not that person you know, that it's not safe for me to have those around. It's not safe for me to do X, Y, and Z when it is for other people. And it's okay for us all to be at different points in our journeys and our development. And some of us will get to places that other people won't. And you have to kind of just be okay with where you're at, I think at the end of the day and be truthful with yourself. So I think you, you put that really well. Thank you. So Ben, what if people want to want to, what if I, honestly, I can't see anyone wanting to, But if there is anyone out there that does want to talk to you now, maybe is it the police? Maybe it's the police. Um, What's the best way for people to to find you?
1: Uh, um, So the best place for people to find me uh, online, because if you're talking about the police, they can go to my website all they want, not giving out the address. Uh, But you can go Mm. to primalbro.com. Essentially, I have that domain or that website, which is really just like an extension to all the other things you can link to My podcast, the primal broadcast there, uh, that's on Apple, you know, the, or I'm sorry, primal dude show. Sorry. (laughs) The primal dude show. Uh, but the direct direct fat guy forum competitor. Um, but no, you can go there, uh, go to my website and go to find my podcast. It's on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, and if you use anything other than that, I don't really understand who you are. So it's fine. um, I also, you can find me on Instagram at Primal Bro, or if you're at that website, that also links right over to my Instagram. That's probably the place I am the most active uh, in terms of responding to messages and really just posting content, trying to provide some kind of value for people, trying to make some kind of change. So if you want to talk to me or you want to just see what I'm about, the best place to go would be at Primal Bro on Instagram. Other than that, check out the website and go wherever wherever the wind takes you.
0: There we go, and I will put all of that in the show notes with proper titling so that people can find it properly. Primal (laughs) Brocast. There we go, Primal Brocast. Before we get to our goodbyes, let's get into the Fat Guy 5, Ben. Are you ready?
1: I think I'm ready. Uh, Do I get the old one or the new one?
0: You're getting the old one, because honestly, the new one hasn't come together yet. Um, the, The suggestions I've been getting from people as I've been asking for them, Honestly, not the best. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So keep them coming, people. By the Actually, by this point, I'll probably have the new one in place. So, you know, don't keep them coming. But anyway, you know, there you go. There's a little bit behind the scenes for y'all. Uh, but this is the old one for you, Ben. You're one of the last to get the old one. Uh, up first, question number one, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy?
1: My favorite fat guy. So uh, anyone that listens to the show has probably thought about this before. And and every single instance, your answers are always taken, uh, but I'm gonna say that I think, t- at least timing-wise, Bert Kreischer. He's a comedian. Uh, he takes his shirt off in all his shows. Some people might know who he is. Big round guy. Uh, he he does uh, like weight loss challenges and some different physical competitions. Uh, even though he's still overweight, he's a really funny guy. I really enjoy his brand of comedy and things like that. So scratching off all the people i think i may have said had they not been brought up before
0: i will go with burt kreischer i like it i like i like hearing a new answer uh number two bed Thinking back to your your 333 pound days what was your quintessential fat guy meal
1: so (laughs) all right so my favorite uh fat guy meal and i actually touched on it uh when i brought up the hot dog thing earlier but i would get an enti- I would get an entire pack of hot dogs, would eight typically, unless you get, and this is where we're going to get real into being a former fat guy, unless you get the uh, Oscar Mayer beef ones that have the 10 in that. So five per sleeve, whatever. I'd get a whole pack of hot dogs and a pack of buns uh, and then make chili cheese dogs and have that with French fries, where I also put chili cheese on the French fries. I probably did that twice a week, uh, once at minimum, for sure. That was just like a staple. That was probably my favorite thing. Uh, and again, it goes back to I'd make it at home because I would get embarrassed if I went somewhere and ordered that much food.
0: Yeah, there's not many restaurants that would that would look, you know, that wouldn't look at you you weird if you said I would like eight chili hot dogs and a, a platter as high and two as large French fries, and chili fries. Yeah. <laughs> and keep yeah. the soda. Keep, keep it all coming. There you go. I like it. Uh, question number three, switching gears. Uh, ben, so. It, reach out like speak out to those those guys that are out there you know maybe it's that that guy who's realized that he's the fat dad what advice is your number one piece of of advice which is now me using the word advice a hundred times your number one piece of advice or someone to get their journey started uh
1: the number one thing that i would say to anybody trying to start is and it's it seems very obvious so i'll elaborate a little but it's just start uh you have all the reasons in the world to be hesitant i'll wait till i get groceries so that way i can have the right food in the house i'll wait until after my birthday so that i'm not tempted on this day i will wait until i feel like i've done all the research there's always going to be reasons for you to not start so just start
0: i like it man i like it number four what podcast youtube channel book author influencer figure do you recommend to people that need motivation
1: uh I have as I believe you as well lately I've been very into Mark Bell's power project podcast um between the between the guests that they have and then the regular lineup uh, of Andrew and Sima and Mark Bell uh, I think that all I have I can even me at the point in my journey that I'm at I can take something away from every episode that kind of helps me progress and keep making progress and stay motivated. Honestly, I still need motivation at this point. And that's probably now, or at least currently where I'm getting the bulk of my like pump me up, right? Not, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is very informational, but I I go for the fun. The information is just, uh, or I go for the fun. I go for the, yeah, the fun and the motivation and then any information or education I take away from, it's just extra.
0: There we go. I like it. Question number five, Ben. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness or weight related? One goal
1: that I have for this year, that's not fitness health. Hmm. I wish I honestly, I do wish that I had thought about this question more. One thing that I had started out the year doing very calculated um, that I have been slacking on a little uh, was I had a, a general goal of building stronger relationships within my family. Like, not a stronger family cumulative relationship, but individual relationships with each person. Uh, I started out the year making sure that I got at least an hour or two of individual, like one-on-one time with each person. Um, I didn't, I would say mid-February, like most people, you kind of start to slip a little on those resolutions, but I do still make it a point. And especially now, I'm not going to lie, quarantine in that aspect has almost been a blessing because I'm home much more. I'm not training as much. Uh, work is different. So, I'm, I'm home much more and it becomes much easier to work on that connection. Um, but while it's not necessarily measurable, I want deeper individual relationships with my family members for this year. That's how I want to end 2020.
0: And that's a great goal, man. I really think that's awesome. So, Ben, thank you so much for your time today. Are there any last words you want to share with the audience before we sign off?
1: Uh, I can't imagine that I have too much to say that hasn't already been said. Um, Touching on the advice that I would give to someone starting their journey um, and really just anyone starting any journey. It doesn't have to be a weight loss journey. You can want to get into lifting. You can want to get into jujitsu you can want to get into any knitting. I don't know I don't know what you're going to be into, uh, but anything that you want to start, it goes back to my just start because you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do things 100% right and correct from the beginning. You just need to begin because as you do it, you will learn how to do things better and you will grow and improve. Um, so it kind of touches on my advice before, but uh, focus on making progress. Don't focus on whether or not you're doing the perfect or the correct thing. Uh, and again, absolutes there, a lot of times is often not a correct
0: thing. There we go, man. So thank you so much for your time today, Ben. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I will put all of the links so you can track down the primal bro in the show notes today. Thank you all so much for listening. This is your host Gormy. You can find me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. On Twitter at Gourmet Keto, no underscores, or you can also email the show at the Fat Guy Forum at gmail.com. Do something today to amaze yourselves, my friends, because you're amazing people. And regardless of the circumstances of the world, there's still opportunity out there for you to do something. So just make sure you do one thing today where you say, wow, I actually did that. And I look forward to talking to you all next time on the Fat Guy Forum.